Welcome everyone to the How to Get the Most Out of College podcast. There's a lot of talk about where to go to college, but not nearly enough about how to go to college. And it's the everyday decisions that drive your success. I'm your host, Elliot Felix. I've been a consultant to more than 100 colleges and universities, helping them improve their student experience. And I'm the author of How to Get the Most Out of College, where I take what I've learned about how college works and make it work for you. So one of the things I love about the college experience is that it's not just about papers and tests, but more and more students get the chance to make things, to do projects that have impact, you know, working with a community group, doing a performance, creating a prototype, giving a presentation. This is such an important part of the experience because how you get things out of your head and onto the page and out into the world so that you can get feedback and you can make them better is such an important way to learn and to live. And I'm super excited to have an expert in this to chat with today, Scott Whithoft, who's a designer, an educator, an author, the author of This is a Prototype, the co-author of Makespace, formerly with the Stanford D School and UT Austin, and an all-around great thinker and maker, ready to dive in. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Elliot. Super cool to be here talking with you. How did you get started on this whole making, thinking, prototyping gig? A little bit of a, a long and winding road, thanks to the Beatles. I'd been making things, I guess I'm one of those kids that was always making things when they were a kid. Moving professionally onward from there, uh, I've always been in a, a practice that seems to connect to built things, whether those things are artifacts or buildings or environments. So my background in structural engineering and forensic structural engineering connected directly to how buildings and infrastructure around us was built and likewise how it could get rebuilt or repaired. So there was a bit of a kind of start to finish thinking process there. And then I also found myself very frequently taking on a sort of finish to start or sort of a backwards approach and seeing how things were built and maybe how they needed to be course corrected or could be course corrected. And that's segued into product design, which I guess forever has been connected to physical artifacts and stuff and is ever increasingly more about the systems and the interactions and interfaces through which we encounter, you know, the world around us. All the places and ways that I've worked seem to connect to, you know, building something or making something in one form or another, which has been really fun. And so, you know, along the way, I think the idea of prototyping stuff or making early versions or asking questions through like a physical manifestation or a, a, a likeness, a model, that's always, it always seems to have been part of the process along the way. So it, in lots of ways, it feels really instinctive, even though I might not be working in, I don't know, in, in buildings or furniture or artifacts at any given moment. The way of doing right. it is always relevant. It's just sort of become who you are and how you think the making and the unmaking. Can you tell us a story of a project you worked on with students or with others where making something helped them communicate or Maybe there was a time when folks were, you know, reluctant to take that first creative leap, that first step. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I had a really great student, design student, who was very interested in product design and graphic design and was experimenting and kind of exploring environments design, the spaces around you, how you could both design those or use them as tools for sort of influencing behaviors. That particular student was resonating deeply with the idea of having an instantaneous break, like being able to literally take a nap in a public place. So they were exploring this kind of concept of 
how to do something private in public. It's kind of an abstract concept, but something that they like latched onto right away because they were an excited furniture builder was, oh, I'm going to make like a couch for the street corner. You know, for someone who's never made a couch before and has never done anything in public, that's kind of a wild and zany concept. Yeah. Uh, it seems fun. And, and, you know, I'm watching it as an educator, like, oh, that's cool. I, I really dig this excitement. And then as someone who's lived in a city, in a rainy city, no less, as well as just someone who's, you know, been around the public, I'm instantly thinking, there's not a way, there's not a chance I'm going to sit on a couch, like a big, puffy, fuzzy couch on a street corner, let alone, I wonder, is that couch going to be stolen instantaneously? So I'm just watching that. And, you know, the student, started to sort of draw out in a prototyping kind of way, storyboarding out the experience of building the thing. So that was one. And then storyboarding out the experience of how am I going to get this out into the field, so to speak? How am I get it out on the street? And what's the experience going to be like? Or what's the engagement going to be? And so something that was super cool about that was I was watching almost in the same kind of sequential curiosity process of storyboarding inform, you know, what the student was making or would make. And then they made a version, you know, time constraints that, oh, it, it didn't get to look the way that they wanted it to. And it wasn't plush or it was big or whatever. It didn't have all the features. So that in a way, they were starting with their final solution. They were starting with the one thing they wanted it to be. And, you know, despite the sort of best attempt at, at planning it out and sequentially sort of building this, they kind of mm, pole vaulted past the discovery and said, oh, here's the one thing I want to make this almost like art piece. I'm going to stick it out in the street and I'm going to pretend that that's design or that I'm understanding what people are trying to do with it. That kind of, I would almost call that premature failure. They turned that failure around and said, oh, you know, what were the aspects or what were the details I was trying to dig into with that thing? What is it like? What does it mean to try to do something private in public? It doesn't have to be a couch. It doesn't have to be manifested in the couch. What are other ways you could explore that? So that sort of retroactive or, or like back calculating of questions from the failure led that student down another path and a much more sort of nuanced approach in trying out a suite of experiences that weren't so mm, product-based, but more about trying to invite people to take kind of micro breaks in the midst of an otherwise sort of bustling activity. And it turned into like a really robust kind of suite of design explorations and space interventions that I don't think, in fact, I know we're not like where the student kind of had wanted the work to go originally, but they also led to sort of a, a body of discovery that the student had not even perceived could be possible. So there was this micro disappointment that led to like a macro discovery and in a way, a, a more enjoyable, if you want to call it that, like a more enjoyable and certainly a more informed experience for that student as a designer after the fact. That's really cool. There's so much wisdom and so many lessons that you can unpack from that story. I mean, I heard the idea of first doing a storyboard to get a sense of what you're thinking about. So get something out of your head and onto the page and then build the thing and put it in situ to test it. And then don't just put it out there, but observe it 
you know, and see how other people are reacting to it and then reflect what's working, what isn't working, where did I face plant and where did I succeed? Staying loose, staying open so that you can then pivot or you can, you know, refine based on your reflection. That's a pretty good playbook for making things. What would you add to that? What are some of your tips when you're trying to get students to make things, to be creative, to stay loose, to stay open, to reflect? You know, that particular student was a great example of someone who was very well-versed in doing graphic design and screen design, had great capabilities of that. It was also their go-to or their first choice. So when it came time to maybe design or consider a space, like a physical space, and the lives of people outside of their screens, it was something they couldn't only find through screens. It's a long way of saying that student really benefited, I'd say, and primarily benefited from going out into the world to fully sensorially use their senses to engage their work and to understand their work. Meaning a couch has weight. It physically takes effort to, to bring a couch down a set of stairs and to go place it across the street. You have to wait at a stoplight. There's traffic. There's people there. Oh, by the way, it rains. And, you know, there's voices. You get, you're confused. All those things are not evident until they are. And so I think the big tip there would be, uh, if you have a chance, you should, and you must maybe even get outside your kind of fixed physical environment. Maybe that might be your default medium of you know, working graphically and seeing how your work actually is engaged by others. What is the environment in which they're engaging your work? What is the life moment in which those people are engaging your work? You know, is it in a stressful moment? Is it while they're in transit? Is it under a shelter? Is it, you know, while they're driving? All those things can influence your outputs, which might not be evident if you're only working in your medium and, you know, how you engage your work. So that getting out in the field and see how someone engages your work is sometimes not obvious, but it is a huge payoff. Yeah, absolutely. Getting out in the world, observing people, finding new mediums to express yourself. You know, if you're good on the screen, how are you out in space and vice versa is a really great tip and something I, I've certainly seen you know, with the folks we work with. And there's a recent study, I think it was Wiley's State of Student Experience Report, where they really honed in on the importance of real-world projects to mm. motivate students. There are so many projects that students do in college that can stay abstract. And if you do it out in the world, it becomes real, right? So you can do a marketing plan for a fictitious company or you can find a, a local nonprofit within a mile radius who could probably use some help. You know, that's a different kind of making, but you're still making a presentation, you're making a strategy, you're making a plan, and you can see how people react to it and it can have real, real impact. So I love that advice of getting out in the world so that you can make better things. Seth Godin has this great quote, make things better by making better things. <laughs> and you know, doing it out in the world is one way that everybody benefits from. What are the things that you see often hold students back, whether it's the hesitancy to put something on the page or to not get out in the world? What are the things that might hold them back and how can they get over those, those barriers or around them, I suppose? I love the around them. That's a neat sort of 
encouragement to move like water, not ice. Got to like flow around things versus having to necessarily get stopped or kind of dammed up. And there's something that stands out to me about a lot of students really connects back to their best intent at heart. And in fact, precedent of how they've been praised, how they've, you know, felt uh, feelings of success. It strikes me that a lot of students don't see or feel that they have the opportunity to use class choice, class time, out of class time, even a degree trajectory as a way to explore or try something new. The idea of an elective class often shows up as a, well, what's the elective that I can choose that sort of reinforces my outward commitment or my optical commitment to my major? And there's a lot of instances and encounters I've had with students where they are quite clear with themselves and in conversations among their friends that they're not that confident about the degree path that they've chosen. And there's a sort of building resentment. Oh, I'm already feeling trapped. And that really bums me out. So I have to flip this. It might connect somehow to I don't know, a piece of advice and saying like, hey, you know, feel free to use this time to explore. You know, if you find something that you're excited about and confident about, great. What a cool moment to dig deeper into that. But at the same time, you will have continual opportunities throughout your life to change course. And in fact, you might be forced to change course. So the better you are at it now, the better you will be at it in the future when you, you know, change job location or, I don't know, start a new business or pivot your business or want to move to a new city, town, country, whatever. And in the past couple of years, I've seen a lot of students do something that I thought was kind of brave and exciting, which was in their summertime, they said, you know, I want to get some work experience and here's something I don't know if I like. And in fact, I kind of think, I might not like it, but they took a, an internship, not with a plan to actively dislike it, but with a plan of curiosity. And they said, oh, with this moment, I'm actually going to try out this work. I'm going to try working in you know, a professional context and I'm going to pay attention to what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. And I'm going to use those details to help me make a better choice for the next thing I do. And I thought, man, what a cool opportunity and a cool constraint of a summer or an internship or a project. You don't have to love it necessarily for your future, for the rest of your life, but it's a great opportunity to start to kind of deconstruct and pick out the things that you really do like. I like working with people. I like working by myself. I like working in physical products. I like working in, I don't know, commerce or education, whatever. You can start to pick out these details that better equip yourself to make more informed and more confident choices the next time you have an opportunity to make a choice. I think that's really great advice. And, you know, we started off talking about making, but in a way we've ended up with a three-legged stool, making, observing, and exploring, because you're making things and then you're exploring things by making things. But along the way, you're observing things, what you like and what you dislike how it relates to your, your strengths or areas you might want to grow, how people are interacting with the things you're making, whether it's a presentation or a prototype or a couch. Yeah. And that's sort of the virtuous cycle of the making, observing and exploring. And they kind of go together and they make for a great student experience and one that 
helps you try out and puts you on a career path leads to a more fulfilling life and work. So really appreciate your insights, Scott. And I hope folks check out your books. This is a prototype and make space. They both put this thinking into action and there's a lot to learn from there. Thanks so much, Elliot. I really appreciated being with you. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out elliotfelix.com for all the episodes and the articles I've written, talks I've given, and more information about the book. Thank you.